Turn with me to the book of Genesis tonight. Genesis chapter 41. And we're going to read from the verse 25. Genesis 41. Verse 25. Genesis chapter 41, verse 25. To find the place, we read the word of God. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kine are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favoured kine that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty years blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there came seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. For the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out for a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God have showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Let's just pause the reading there at verse 41 and let's come down to the verse 
46 for a moment. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and led up the food in the cities, the food in the field, which was round about every city, led he up in the sea. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. Let's come to verse 53. And the seven years of plenteous that were in the land of Egypt were ended. The seven years of dearth began to come according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands. But in the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was sore in all the lands. Amen. We know that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing, as he always does, this reading of his inerrant and fallible word. Lord, we thank thee for that glorious truth we've just been singing about. Our God is able to deliver thee. And we thank thee for thy delivering power. And we just pray that tonight, Lord, it will please thee to come. We pray not only thy presence, but that thy power will be a felt reality. And, O oh God, even tonight, if there's some amongst us without Christ, that they'll call upon thee. They'll hear Christ knocking at their heart's door. Lord, they'll swing it open and say, Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into day, take sin away. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, deliver, we pray, from the penalty, from the power, the pleasure. And we know that one day you'll deliver us even from the very presence of sin itself. Lord, answer prayer for us. Have mercy now. Shut us in with thee. Bless us and do us good as thy word goes forth. Let it be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Make it a nail in the sure place for all our hearts. Help us to get our eyes in the heavenly Joseph and learn to go to him for all our need and its supply. Lord, hear and answer prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now my text tonight is taken from Genesis 41 and verse 55. And I want to lift up and focus on the words of Pharaoh to the Egyptians Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And I want to apply it in a spiritual way. Now Joseph was 17 years of age when he was sold by his brothers as a slave into Egypt. He spent about 13 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Near the end of this 13-year jail sentence, Pharaoh had two dreams he didn't understand. The first dream was that seven fat flesh cows grazing along the banks of the Nile, you can picture them there in a meadow, 
And then seven lean flesh, skinny cows, came up from the Nile and ate the seven fat flesh cows. That was his first dream. Imagine a dream like that. It's like having a nightmare. Second dream, seven good ears of corn came up upon one stalk, good and fat. Then seven thin ears of corn came up, blasted by an east wind, and they came up upon the seven fat uh, ears of corn and devoured the seven fat ears of corn. And when Pharaoh awoke, he was troubled. What does this mean? He called for his wise men, but they couldn't interpret any of these dreams. Now, now at this point, the king's butler, he remembered, oh wait, there's a young man in prison who has the gift of interpreting dreams. He interpreted my dream, Pharaoh. Pharaoh was informed. Joseph was sent for and came forth before Pharaoh. Pharaoh rehearsed his dreams in the ears of Joseph. Joseph, by the grace and wisdom of God, told him your dream is one. There's one central message. There's one plain interpretation, Pharaoh. There's to be seven years of plenty in Egypt. There's to be seven years of bumper harvest. They're represented by the seven fat cows and the seven good ears of corn. And following on from these seven years of bumper harvest, Pharaoh, there's to be seven years of poverty and famine. And they're represented, Pharaoh, by the lean cows and the thin ears of corn. And during this period, the rain will be withheld. The crop yield will wither and die. This is going to be a very deep, grievous time of famine and hunger for all of Egypt and the surrounding countries thereby. He advised Pharaoh what to do. Having listened to Joseph's interpretation, Pharaoh was so overwhelmed that he appointed Joseph to act as prime minister over all of Egypt. This is what he says in Genesis 41 and in the verse 41. I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Now think of Joseph, second in command only to Pharaoh. And Joseph then traveled through the length and breadth of Egypt. Storehouses were built in every city. A fifth of the grain of that bumper harvest was stored. And then the seven years of plenty gave way to the seven years of poverty. The famine began to bite. It was very grievous. The people soon began to complain of hunger and famishing. And they cried out to Pharaoh. And it was at that point Pharaoh uttered the words of my text. Go unto Joseph. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do. Now, I want you to think of this. Think of the good news of the gospel. Here's a people in need. They're famishing. They have no bread to satisfy their hunger. They're perishing for hunger. And there were storehouses full that were able to meet the need. And here's a clear, plain command of Pharaoh. Go to Joseph. I believe Joseph is one of the great foreshadowings of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of the Bible. What happened literally in Egypt is a type, is a picture of the life and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of sinners perishing in their sin for want of spiritual bread. 
And remember, Jesus comes and says, I am the bread of life. Christ, of course, has storehouses of grace to meet the need of perishing sinners. And he is not only the position and the provision, but the power and authority to give you as much as you need. And folks, tonight, we need to get the message clear and clean. If individuals are to be satisfied with life, if they're to be saved, then they have to go to him. That is, go to the heavenly Joseph, because he's the only one who can save perishing sinners and supply their need. He has a position and a power and provision to do that. Is it any wonder Paul says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, in what way were the Egyptians to go to Joseph? And in what way are we to go to the heavenly Joseph? That's what we want to think on tonight. Three things. Go to Joseph because he was the rejected son. Remember, Joseph is introduced to us in the Bible, Genesis 37, at the age of 17. And his whole life could be summarized in two periods, a period of trouble and a period of triumph. Joseph, when he's introduced to us at the age of 17, He's a specially beloved son of his father. He's a special place in the heart and mind of his father. Wasn't it his father Jacob who gave him a coat of many colors? That was a badge of distinction among his brethren. Joseph was being set apart. It was indicating, of course, how much his father really loved him. And we read there in Genesis 37 and in the verse 3. Now Israel, that's another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Here's another thing about Joseph. He was hated and despised by his brethren. He had ten brothers who hated him. Why? Well, because of his purity. Joseph was a godly young man. I believe he was saved by the grace of God. I believe he hated sin and he loved righteousness. And he brought his father, his brother's evil report. In other words, he come to his dad and said, Dad, do you know what these boys of ours are doing? They hated him for it. They hated him as well because of his dreams. He, he dreamt that one day they were out in the field and they were binding sheaves. And then he told his brothers, do you know what I believe? Your sheaves did come and gather round my sheaf, and you did obeyance to my sheaf. And if they were mad before, they were raging even more. And then he told another dream. He says, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars did come and do obeyance to him. Whenever he told his father, his father was again angry. And he, he, he said, um, Shall I and your mother and brothers come and bow down ourselves to thee? Genesis 37 and 10. But you know, Joseph was being prophetic. He was speaking by the Spirit of God who indwelt him. And it did happen because eventually near the end of his life, his father and his brother and his mother must have died, did come and bow down before him in Egypt. He was hated for his purity he was hated for his words, and he was hated for his dreams. Of course, one day his father sent him out to see how his brethren were doing. 
and fared. They were supposed to be in Shechem. He made his way there. They weren't there. He was told they were in Dothan, and he made his way toward Dothan. Now, as he approached, his brothers, remember, who hated him, seen him. And they conspired in their heart to slay him. Behold, this dreamer cometh, they said. Let's slay him. Let's put his body in the pit. Let's say a wild beast devoured him. It was only Reuben that intervened. Reuben says, no, let's just put him in the pit for a time and think about it, hoping that they would cool down and hoping that he would get him out. But when he come, they stripped him of his coat. They cast him into a pit. In Judah's advice, they, they sold him as a slave, 20 pieces of silver. And then they covered up the foul crime. Genesis 37, 31, they dipped his coat in the blood of the uh, kid of a goat. They brought the coat back to their father. They, they pretended to be mournful and sad. Look what we find. Is this not our brother's coat? Look at the blood, Dad. Something awful has happened to Joseph. Now let's get the picture. Joseph is the beloved son of his father. Joseph is hated by his brethren. Joseph is cruelly arrested and stripped of his garments. Joseph is sold to suffer hardship. Joseph's garments are stained by blood. And Joseph is presented to his father as if he is dead. And the picture of Joseph and the life of trouble that he had is entirely a picture of Jesus as the rejected son. Doesn't the Bible say he came unto his own and his own received him not? Remember, Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of the everlasting father. Let's remember the father sent him on a mission of mercy. And when he came to his own, his own refused to receive him, refused to believe him. Isaiah 53 and 3 says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Didn't he say they hated me without a cause? What did they hate Christ for? They hated him for his ministry. His teaching, his words. They hated him for his purity. They hated him for his authority. What did they do? They handed him over to the Gentiles. He was sold by Judas Iscariot, 30 pieces of silver. He's the New Testament equivalent of Judah. He was stripped of his clothing. He was beaten. He was put into prison. Then they scourged him. Then they crucified him. His garments were stained by blood. He died, we know, outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Think of Christ on the cross shedding his blood. What does the Bible tell us? Hebrews 9, 22, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Doesn't Leviticus 17 and 11 say that the life of the flesh is in the blood? Exodus 12 and 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It was Paul said, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And again, the apostle Paul tells us there in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter uh, three, and in the twenty um, fourth verse, 
He says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. That word propitiation just means an appeasement of wrath by means of a sacrifice that covers. Let me give a little illustration. During the Spanish Civil War, a very cruel time for many Spaniards, a brutal commander in the Spanish army took an oath to kill everyone in a certain town because they refused to surrender. There was one young man and he was hiding at a certain part of the town and he saw the soldiers enter a house. He heard the screams of the people. They murdered all, man, woman and children. And whenever they came out, what they did was they splashed the blood on the door. And that was to indicate that the work of murder had been done. And this young fella, he ran to his house. And he got there as carefully as he could. He had many family. He had many friends in that house. He said to his father, quick, kill the goat. Because they killed the goat. He got an old rag. He dipped it in the goat's blood. He sneaked round to the front door. He applied the blood to the front door. And then they waited inside, all in hiding, out of sight, not a sound. Soldiers came. They could hear them talking, calling, shouting, bent in murder. And then they noticed the blood in the door. And they passed by. Thinking, of course, that the residents were already dead. And that family inside owed their lives to that quick-thinking young boy. And I asked tonight, dear soul, think of this. Are you sheltering underneath the blood of Christ? Are you saved for time and eternity? Remember God says when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You're only safe when you're sheltering underneath the blood of Christ. And of course that blood was shed, for without the shedding of blood there's no remission. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Do you want sins forgiven? Do you want peace with God? To, to have assurance of eternal life, knowledge of a home in heaven? If you are... Aware that you're perishing without God. That there's nothing in this life to satisfy you. And you need spiritual bread. And God is a storehouse for you. A storehouse of grace to supply your need. You can go to the rejected son. And you can cry out that his blood will be applied. You'll be safe. And you'll have these gifts. God has promised. Go to Joseph secondly because he's the reigning saviour. I told you Joseph's life was in two parts. Trouble. Following trouble came triumph. Joseph was sold as a slave at 17. He was cast into prison. He was there for about 13 years. Then he's brought out of prison and he's brought out of prison into the palace. That's the picture. He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Genesis 41 and 40. And Pharaoh made him a ruler in the land of Egypt. Do you know that Pharaoh gave him six things? We didn't read it in the reading. The young people in the Bible class could maybe tell you. He gave him a ring. He gave him a robe. He gave him a rank. That, that was the chain of gold about his neck. He gave him a, a, a chariot to ride in. A ride in a chariot. 
he, he, he gave him a reputation. He gave him a new name. Do you know what his name was? Zaphnath Paneah. What does that mean? Well, there's a bit of interpretation uh, going on among the scholars. There's a difference of opinion. Some say it means a revealer of secrets. Joseph certainly was that. But it also means a saviour of the world. And that's the new name that Pharaoh gave him. That's the reputation that he now have. And also he gave him a relative to be his wife. He gave him a Gentile bride. And Joseph was highly exalted out of prison into the palace. And he became a saviour of the nations. Look at Genesis 50 for a moment. I think it's in the verse 20, Genesis 50 and verse 20. Think of Joseph. He's speaking to his brothers. Genesis 50 verse 20. But as for you, this is near the end. Ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day. To save much people alive. In other words he's saying God has brought me to this point providentially. To save many people from physical death. By providing bread in the midst of the famine. To be the saviour of the all of the known world. And when the Lord Jesus died on the tree. Bearing the guilt and punishment of our transgression. He was exalted. To be the saviour of the world. A saviour of Jew and Gentile. Over there in the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 24. Uh, you've got the scene on the road to Emmaus. You've got two very disgruntled, discouraged disciples. And they're travelling from Jerusalem. They've got their back to it. <coughs> And they're on the road to this little village called Emmaus. They couldn't understand. Why had he to die? And then all of a sudden the stranger comes alongside. He opens to them the scriptures. He opens their understanding. And this is what he says to them in Luke 24. He says, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? And to enter into glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He wants them to see that Christ now is in a perfect position. He's been exalted to be a reigning saviour. Wasn't this what Peter brought out in his sermon in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 5? He said this. Acts 5 and Verse 31. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Whom ye slew and hanged in a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand. To be a prince and a saviour. For to give repentance to Israel. And forgiveness of sin. In other words. His exaltation only came after his sufferings. The sufferings came first. And then there was the exaltation. To sit in the throne. A period of trouble. And a period of triumph. And he's now ruling and reigning on the throne. To give repentance and forgiveness of sins. 
Doesn't this tie into the teaching of the Apostle Paul as well whenever he wrote to the Philippian church? And he said this in Philippians chapter 2 and in the um, verses 8 and 9 he, he says these words and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Wherefore in light of this God also hath highly exalted him given him a name which is above every name that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. You see, Jesus Christ, folks, is not only the rejected son, but today we go to him as our reigning saviour. And he's exalted to this position. It's a perfect position. And God has him there as part of his perfect plan. And we can come to him. And we can bow the knee to him. And we can ask him to bestow things upon us. You want the blessings of the gospel? Peace with God? Forgiveness of sins? Assurance of eternal life? A home in heaven? To know that your name's in the book of life? Then you go to the heavenly Joseph. Not only as the rejected son, but as the reigning saviour. And you bow the knee in submission to him. You see, today many people want these things. They are the, 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 the benefits of the gospel. <clears throat> but there's a failure and a refusal in the hearts and minds of many to repent. They're not sorry enough to quit their sinful lifestyle. And of course they don't want Christ as Lord and Master. They'll have him as Master or Saviour, but they don't want him as Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, as C.T. Studd says. Whenever the Apostle Paul was converted, he cried out, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? See, Jesus is a reigning saviour. And we come and we bow the knee to him because he's there in his rightful position. It's a part of the perfect plan of God that he's exalted to that position. And he's got a perfect provision of things that we need. To do us good. The modern gospel wants to divide Christ. It says you can have Christ of Lord. Or you can refuse Christ of Lord. But receive him as saviour. And you can't divide Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And the moment a person accepts Christ as Lord and saviour. They enter into a life of obedience to Christ. They have an eye and a desire to please him. To live for his glory. That's all part of being under. This reigning saviour. Bow the knee to him to receive the blessings. Accept them as the prince and lord of your life. One final thing. Go to him as the revealed sibling. Now let's be very clear in this. In Genesis 45 verses 3 and 4, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. He's now coming near 40 years of age. He hasn't seen his brothers for about 27, 28 years. But the moment they come from Canaan land into Egypt to buy corn, he knew them instantly. And yet he didn't make himself known to them until they had undergone two tests. He tested them to see if they knew about their transgression, their iniquity, what they did to him when they first came. He spoke roughly to them. He accused them of being spies. 
He put them in prison for three days. He then released them, sent them all home, except one. They kept Simeon in prison. And he said, if you want to come back and see my face, bring young Benjamin with you. They told him about Benjamin. And the next time they come back with Benjamin, there was another test. He wanted to see not only if they were aware of their transgression, but if there'd been a change and transformation in their attitude and their mindset. So he brought them into his house. He provided a meal. This time he didn't treat them roughly, he treated them kindly. He gave Benjamin five times as much just to test them to see if they still had an envious spirit. If they were looking over their shoulder and say, why did you treat Benjamin that way and not us? And then, of course, whenever he sent them home, he put their money back in their sacks and put his silver cup into Benjamin's sack. And then, of course, when that was disclosed, they all returned back to his house. And it was at that time Judah made a very passionate plea. The one who sold him as a slave into Egypt. And in fact Judah offered himself up in the stead of Benjamin. And it was only after the acknowledgement of transgression through the time in prison. And only after this test of transformation. At the table and with the cup. Joseph revealed himself to them. Look at chapter 45 and verse 3. And then we'll close. Genesis 45 and verse 3. Notice what he says. He says, I am Joseph. Verse 4, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. In other words, I'm your sibling. And he revealed himself to them. Now notice when he did it. It was at the second test. Keep that in mind. In Acts chapter 7, verse 13, we read this. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Now let me lift it up as we finish. The Lord Jesus came into this world the first time, and his own received him not. The Lord Jesus is coming back, I believe that. Literally, visibly, and tangibly. He's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming back as the reigning Son and Sovereign and Saviour of his people. Doesn't Acts 1 and 11 say this same Jesus whom you've seen go up into heaven shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go up into heaven. I believe in the literal second coming of the body of Christ. And when he comes the second time, folks, something is going to happen, especially to the land of Israel. You know what's going to happen? Zechariah 12 and 10 says, They shall look on me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn. He's already pierced. They pierced him at his first coming. And the Spirit of God, when it's poured out upon him as they see him, they will mourn. And one day as they look at him, he's going to say, I am Jesus whom you crucified. And they receive him as Lord and as Redeemer. And there'll be a great revival take place in the land of Israel. All Israel shall be saved. I believe a nation shall be born in a day. But how will you fare in that day? We're living in the day of grace. We live in light of the Lord's return. You've already heard the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 7 and 8, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. 
And isn't there many believers troubled today? And what can they do? Rest in the Lord. And do you hear troubled rest with us? As when the Lord will be revealed, or the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. Do you know God? Have you obeyed the gospel? You see, in that day, if you're found out that you don't know God and you haven't obeyed the gospel and Christ has been set before you, and that day will be too late. He's a revealed sibling now. He, he comes as bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh and says, I am Jesus whom you've crucified. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Will you do that tonight? He stands at your heart's door. He knocks. He's saying, let me in. You are right of Christ tonight. You who know that you're right of Christ. If I was to ask you tonight, are you saved? You would say I'm not. I would ask you, why not? You wouldn't be able to give me an answer. But tonight as he knocks, all you have to do is call. Whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. He revealed himself to his brothers. And he's been revealed to you many times. How long will you be without him? As Pastor Sykes in Scotland used to say, will you not take him home with you? He wears well. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts.